today on Media Download. From Montclair State University and WMSC-FM, the latest on technology. Digital privacy is a concern. Streaming is king. It's trending now. And media issues. Let's start with the presidential campaign. The frontrunner is firmly in the lead in every national poll. What's the press's responsibility? I will not give him the credit he probably sought prior to this horrific and cowardly act. And top business headline news. It's online streaming versus Hollywood. Curated by your host, Meryl Brown. Hello and welcome to Media Download. I'm Merrill Brown, Director of the School of Communication and Media at Montclair State University. Last week uh, was the opening of the Bridgegate trial in New Jersey, where a top political appointee of Governor Chris Christie and his former Deputy Chief of Staff both faced charges over what prosecutors say was a criminal scheme to inflict traffic problems in the town of Fort Lee, New Jersey, as a political vendetta on the town's mayor for not endorsing Christie's reelection. To talk about the trial, very high profile at many moments in recent political history, I'm joined now by Dan Sforza, managing editor for The Record, who will be soon leading The Record's award-winning investigative team. We'll discuss the latest on this trial. Dan, thanks for joining us. No problem, Mel. So the trial has been a little bit lost in the national political shuffle around things like uh, this week's presidential debate. And now with that behind us, it seems to me it's going to get a lot more attention. And I'm hoping you'll tell us where the trial is. Where are we? Well, you know, timeline-wise, we're, we're approaching the midpoint of what is uh, the second week of a trial. It's expected to last about six weeks. And really what we're getting to right now is the meat of the prosecution's case. And that is David Wildstein on the stand, you know, as uh, the key witness who has pleaded guilty already to his role in the conspiracy, um, laying out exactly what happened, who was told to do what, and who was told about the scheme uh, as it was unfolding. And today saw some critical developments in that regard. Uh, well, uh, tell us. We're uh, just the day after the debate. Uh, here we are uh, midweek. What happened? David Wildstein uh, got on the stand and said that, uh, and there have been many revelations throughout the first week or so of the trial, but today he said at the September 11th memorial back in 2013, he and Bill Baroni, uh, one of the pair that's on trial, uh, spoke with Governor Christie at the memorial and told him about the traffic jams and about how they were not returning uh, Mark Sokolich's calls. He's the mayor of Fort Lee. Uh, and they were boasting about it, saying that they were happy because the governor was happy and he was their constituency of one. And that's been a phrase that's been um, talked about by Wildstein during the course of the trial, that Wildstein and Baroni served a constituency of one, and that being Governor Christie. He was the only one who mattered. And that setting uh, at, on 9-11 was captured by a photographer, and there's been speculation about what was said there for some time now, and I guess the uh, most extreme version of that specu- speculation has now come to pass. I would I would say that if Wildstein's report proves to be accurate, that's true. Um, the, that photo that you're referring to was taken by Port Authority photographers on the site as a group of folks with Christie, who included David Sampson uh, in one of those photos, uh, the former Port Authority chairman of the board, um, as they were walking toward the memorial. Um, it was a very, very interesting setting. 
Now, the key revelation, obviously, or the highest profile revelation, is the very direct engagement alleged uh, involving uh, Governor Christie. And that was treated as a surprise by many people, although I know reporters and others who have been on the case were expecting it. Um, That was a bombshell last week, wasn't it? I think so. And I think what was interesting about that is it came from the prosecution. It didn't come from the defense. For the defense, it's, you know, a very plausible and, and even obvious strategy. You know, it wasn't our clients. It was their boss you know, who told them to do it. And you can see a defense strategy playing out that way. But for the prosecution to bring it up um, is suggests, you know, something more to come in this trial. And I think that's really where the bombshell was, that the prosecution introduced Governor Christie uh, as having known about these uh, lane closings. What does the trial so far tell you about the state of things in New Jersey? And among the reasons I ask is that uh, you recently had a story uh, on your paper and in the website uh, with the headline, Bridgegate Trial Testimony Exposes Ugly Side of New Jersey Politics. That's kind of the thing that a John Stewart could have fun with, because New Jersey <laughs> politics is traditionally thought to be, shall we say, rough and tumble. Um, are we really learning something about New Jersey we didn't know before? Well, I think what we're learning here is the level of sophistication that was employed by Governor Christie's campaign and, by extension, uh, the Office of Intergovernmental Affairs. That's where Bridget Kelly worked. And they were charged with connecting with constituents, basically municipalities throughout the state. Uh, And, uh, you know, with that charge, they reached out to these mayors uh, and talk to them about their needs and their, and their wants. What what could the governor's office do from them? So what we heard about in the first week or so of this trial is this spreadsheet that was kept there where they basically listed the top 100 towns and uh, what mayors got what gifts in return for their endorsements. I mean, you're talking about a very high-level uh, operation there uh, when you're charting it, when you, you know, you're saying this is, you know, a mayor got, you know, this much for, I think one was goose poop collection. I think, you know, others got maybe jitneys or, or different money for different things. They're talking about tours of the World Trade Center site, talking about uh, tickets to games sitting in the governor's box at MetLife Stadium. Uh, so these are, are, are it's a, a really stunning revelation. Everyone talks about how rough and tumble New Jersey politics is, but when you see it laid out in that manner, you know, endorse us, you know, and there will be rewards. It's it's striking. And what is your judgment, and or and what is the wisdom floating around state houses and other political quarters? about Governor Christie's future in the context of what we've learned so far? I think it's too early to tell that. Everyone can speculate, you know, about what this might mean for Governor Christie. And when uh, the record broke, you know, the the big Bridgegate story, um, when you first learned of the time for some traffic problems in Fort Lee email, there was tons of speculation back then that it would derail Governor Christie's bid for president. And he indeed did run for president. 
and and you can talk about how the scandal may have been a factor uh, in in his lack of success in that endeavor, um, but he didn't back away from it. And uh, what we've learned from Governor Christie over the years is he doesn't he certainly doesn't back down from a fight. Uh, and he is a survivor. He he tends to keep on keeping on. Uh, what what is he? What has he said, or what have his people said about the allegations of his direct engagement? What do we know about how they're going to counter this? Well, he responded this morning. He had uh, an announcement uh, this morning outside of his office. It was unrelated to what was happening in court, but he did address it and. What he said is basically the same thing that he has been saying, that he had no knowledge of this. You know, there's stuff going on in court. He's, he's, he recognizes this, recognizes this, but he's saying that he had no knowledge, and that will be proven out, um, and that's why he's not up in court. And so he's sticking to what he has said in the past. But yet that would make the testimony you've talked about um, perjury if, in fact, it's not being it's not characterizing those conversations accurately, right? Well, you know, I think uh, the conclusion that you can draw here is, is that um, either the witnesses are telling the truth um, or Governor Christie is, but they both can't be. They seem to be at odds with one another. But perhaps there's another explanation. So the record has gotten a lot of attention about this story. The record has done extraordinary reporting, is credited, as you just asserted, with having broken the key story that unraveled all this. What has it meant in the newsroom and in, in your institution to be out in front and so engaged in such an important national story? Well, I, I think what's important for our newsroom, and we talk about this a lot, is that this story wasn't conceived in um, some boardroom. It wasn't sat down and talked about with uh, a number of editors. Really, this developed out of people complaining that there was traffic at the bridge. And our columnist, who writes the Road Warrior column, John Chikowsky, who I've worked with for almost 15 years, um, didn't ignore it. You know, he checked it out. He made phone calls. And whenever you get a story that's that organic, um, in a newsroom, because someone paid attention to something, uh, it it serves to lift up uh, the entire newsroom because it's a signal that anything's possible, no matter how small. And you know, the big story that journalists you know love to dream about often starts out that way as something small that someone paid attention to, uh, and you know, go all the way back to Watergate, right? I mean, a break-in at a hotel. Um, you know, in terms of origins, it's uh, it's always something small that turns into something big. And in the context of this being something big, how do you all imagine this playing out uh, from a narrative point of view? Where, where, where is it going and whose testimony should we look forward to as being particularly significant? Well, right away this week, what I'm looking forward to is a cross-examination of David Wildstein. Now, right now, we've heard prosecutors um, quizzing Wildstein about his role and what happened and how it played out. But later this week, possibly even tomorrow, but maybe Thursday or Friday, we're going to see a cross-examination. And the defense attorneys are particularly good at that. Um, and you have Michael Baldessari and Michael Critchley, and, and these are two pros. Uh, so seeing 
how they come at David Wildstein is really the next big thing to look for in the trial. Too early to tell if we're going to see Baroni or Kelly on the stand. Obviously, they would be very interesting um, to hear from. Uh, but right now, I'd, I'm looking forward to the cross-examination. There's some speculation that both the governor of New Jersey, Governor Christie, and perhaps even the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, would be called to testify. What do we know about that possibility? You know, uh, Christie has said that he has not been contacted to testify. That doesn't mean he won't be. Trials take twists and turns, so it's still a possibility. It would be something to see either of the governors, but but really any sitting governor testifying at a federal corruption trial. Uh, I don't recall ever seeing that in New Jersey. And why would Governor Cuomo, from a state that I guess you could say is tangentially, well, maybe ten- tangentially is probably a little strong, but certainly not at the center of the case, why would Governor Cuomo potentially be called? Well, I think what's interesting about that is that the man who ended the closures is a Governor Cuomo appointee, Patrick Foy. He's the executive director of the Port Authority, um, but he's a New York appointee. New York and New Jersey, you know, exert uh, similar control over that agency because it's a bi-state agency created by an act of Congress decades ago. Uh, the governors of New York and New Jersey both have to, you know, literally sign minutes to approve the agency's actions. If they don't sign minutes, uh, or if one holds out, the agency can't move forward. Um, so there is responsibility on both sides in terms of actions taken by the agency. Um, and at the head of the table are the governors for each state. Is there anything, What what is the human component of this story? Is there anything uh, touching or important or particularly interesting about the set of characters here? Well, you know, it, it's interesting you say that because you, you you talk about the human component. I think that's a great question. We know the characters involved. We've heard about them for years now. But what no one is talking about and what none of these people on the stand have talked about are the people who got directly affected by this. And these are people who are now paying $15 you know, per trip across the George Washington Bridge. They're the ones who had their lives upended for a week in September, who missed appointments in the city, who got jammed up um, trying to get to school. Uh, That's the real human element of that. And it'd be interesting to see if we hear from any of them during the course of this trial about how bad it was for them during this week. Because, you know, everyone talks about conspiracy. Everyone talks about payback. But there was a real human cost here, uh, and, and I find that interesting. Dan, uh, that's enormously valuable. The conversation has been terrific. We thank you. And uh, those of us who care about such things, um, and that it should be the bulk of the population, appreciate all the record has done to bring this story to light and, of course, to cover what is a very complex and interesting trial. So thanks very much for joining me today. Anytime, Merrill. Have a great day. If you'd like more information about this episode of Media Download, you can email us at gm at wmscradio.com or call us at 973-655-3135. I'm Merrill Brown. Thanks for listening.